Even the most gifted people cannot do it all. Limits are an important part of God's design that we must receive and operate in the sight of. He does not want us to do it all. He hasn't designed us to be able to do it all. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we're going to be picking up in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. And today we're actually going to be picking up in chapter 6, uh, we're going to be reading verse 1 through 7. Uh, now, before we launch into that, let me just kind of get you caught up with where we're at, give you a little bit of intro information so we can hit the ground running with these seven verses. You know, up until now, really just for the last couple of chapters, what we've seen is the story is really focused on some of the persecution that the early church was facing. But now the, the story is going to shift back to an internal matter of the church. And um, one of the things that uh, you might recall back from when we covered Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost was on the day of Pentecost, this was a big celebratory feast. It was part of the Jewish calendar. And so at that time, you had Jews from all of the Mediterranean who had migrated uh, to Jerusalem for this feast. And they were among the people that formed the first church, right? About 3,000 people. And so uh, what we have now actually in the early church in Jerusalem is actually a, uh, a grouping of multiple groups, uh, multiple Jewish groups, uh, not just Jews that lived in the historical land of Israel, uh, which would have been like the Hebraic Jews, as we'll see here in a moment, uh, but then also the rest of the Jews that were from various parts around the Mediterranean. Uh, they were probably primary Greek-speaking Jews, and they would have been called the Hellenistic Jews. So we'll see that here in a moment. Um, but yeah, so the early church, as we saw, was really comprised not of just one big group of Jews that kind of shared the same language and culture, uh, but they actually had some minor language and cultural differences between them uh, because they weren't all from the same area, but now they had formed this new early church together. So that's some helpful information as we go into today's verses. It plays a really big part in what we're going to see happen here. So as we read, we're going to be reading, again, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Uh, but as we're reading it, I just ask you to have this, this question really in the back of your mind as we're reading uh, these verses. And that question is, what is the best way to solve a problem? Okay, what is the best way to solve a problem? Uh, have that question kind of in the back of your mind as we read through. So let's start here in verse 1, Acts chapter 6. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicolaus, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. 
So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. All right, so hopefully I didn't virtue those Greek names uh, too badly, but what we're going to do now is we're going to revisit the passage again, but now we're going to kind of break it down and examine what exactly did we see happening there so we can draw out from it. What are some lessons that we can learn from just this simple uh, account of these seven verses? Uh, so, you know, the first thing we saw happen very simply was this, like, there, you know, a complaint comes up in the church. And I think that we can, uh, uh, you know, sympathize with that, right? Complaints happen, uh, they come up a lot in the church. Or they come up a lot anywhere that you have people. And that's what we saw happen here. A complaint comes up in the church. And specifically, the complaint was from the Hellenistic Jews. These, again, would have been the Jews that had stayed in Jerusalem after the feast because they had joined the church, but they weren't from Jerusalem. They weren't even from the historical land of Israel. These were Jews that had come from different homelands around the Mediterranean, right? And they were saying that their widows were being left out of the daily distribution because, of course, widows would have been one of the groups at that time that was cared for by the community because they didn't have a family or husband to provide for them. And so they're, you know, they're complaining. They're saying, hey, our our widows aren't being properly cared for the way that the uh, Hebraic Jews' widows are being cared for, right? And so, you know, these two people groups of Jews, um, you know, obviously they had a lot in common. They were all Jewish, right? Uh, but there would have been some, you know, some minor, you know, probably social and cultural differences between them and also probably some language barriers between them, right, uh, and differences. Uh, they had different primary languages they spoke. They, they probably had some way of communicating with one another, but their primary languages would not have been the same. And so uh, we can see how that kind of division and these kinds of things can arise. So that's the first thing we saw happen. But then we saw that their complaint, okay, after the complaint was made, the complaint was really giving the proper attention, right? The apostles actually recognized that the complaint was valid and urgent, right? We saw the, the apostles treat it urgently. When it refers to the 12, this is specifically referring to the 12 apostles, right? So these would have been the guys that were like leading the whole thing with the early church, right? Because uh, we saw in Acts chapter 6 verse 2 that the 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples. This is all the followers of Jesus. So, uh, you know, again, we see them treating it as a valid complaint and we see them treating it as an urgent complaint. Uh, because they treated the need as an equally important ministry of the church, really, when you think about it, right? This is what they said in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. They said, Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, right? So it's interesting that the qualifications that they looked for were actually really similar to those of teachers and even elders, right? In other words, they didn't just carelessly like give the job to whoever wasn't busy. This is how we know they treat it as an important uh, ministry of the church, right? Because they didn't just say, oh, okay, the widows need some food. Can anyone go run some food to them? You know, hey, you're free. You, you got anything going on? Why don't you go take care of them? They didn't do that. They actually said their qualifications. We want somebody who's full of the Spirit of God and full of wisdom and has a good reputation. So we actually see that they were really placing the same kind of qualifications as they would for teachers and elders, right? And that's pretty significant when you think about it. Um, they didn't just carelessly give the job to whoever was available, right? 
Uh, and they chose people that were fit for the job. If you look at the names of these seven guys, uh, all of them had Greek names. They didn't have Hebrew names, they had Greek names, uh, which means that they were probably themselves all Hellenistic Jews. Uh, so they chose people that were fit for the job, right? They would have had understanding of the language and of the particular needs of the people that they were serving. Um, and that they also then, being Hellenistic Jews themselves, would have been more likely to approach the, the need with passion and sensitivity, right? So again, we know that, they're, that they were giving the complaint proper attention because the apostles recognized the complaint was valid and urgent. Uh, they treated the need clearly as an equally important ministry in the church, and they chose people who were fit for the job. And then the third main point we see is that they solved the problem. And this is really interesting. They solved the problem without creating another one. What do I mean by that? You know, really often, sometimes when we solve problems in ways that are maybe rushed or or you know not fully thought through, uh, in solving one problem, we just create another one, and yet we don't see them make that mistake. We actually see them solve the problem without creating another one. How do they do that? Well, first of all, we see that the apostles didn't try to do it all. It would be easier to kind of read what the apostles were saying is like, man, we don't got time for this. Like we need to be praying and devoting ourselves to prayer and ministering the word. We ain't got time for widows and caring for the tangible needs of you know the people in the church. But we don't see them having that kind of an attitude, right? That's actually not what they were saying. And we know that's not what they were saying. We know they weren't just dismissing it as an unimportant thing they didn't have time for because of the importance that they did give to it, right? The qualifications that they, that they put on who was fit to do this kind of a job. So we know that the apostles were not treating it like an unimportant ministry. What they were actually doing was they were recognizing that they could not do it all, right? They said it would not be right for us to give up preaching the Word of God. They recognized we can't continue preaching the Word of God in the way that we are and also take care of this really large and important need, right? And then after they said, you know, we'll devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry. These guys will take care of that issue. So they delegated this understanding that they could not do everything. In other words, the apostles were, they were recognizing their limitations. They were recognizing that they had limits and that they had a specific calling. Their particular calling was not to do this particular ministry. And so they said, let's identify the people whose calling it is because this ministry is important, right? And so they recognized their limits, they recognized their calling, and they made room for other people to serve. At the same time, they didn't let their personal passions and callings uh, become a distraction for them, right? Like they could have dismissed the problem uh, because they had you know, bigger things to worry about, right? If you think about it, right? Like the cooker would be like, hey man, we are, we are out here. We're fighting the Sanhedrin. We're changing the culture. We're preaching the gospel. You're coming at me with like the wiggles need food. Man, don't even bother me with that. I got bigger things happening. And a lot of times when, when we find ourselves very much in the middle of doing a work that we have a passion and calling for, and in our humanity, we can make the mistake of treating other things like they're not important but we don't see them do that. That's how I know that we, we ought not read what they were saying as a dismissal because their behavior shows they were not dismissing the issue. What they were doing was they were recognizing their limits while still recognizing this ministry as something that needed to be given the proper attention. 
So they, they didn't let their personal passions and callings become a distraction to them. And they honored the roles of the ministry in the church, right? They honored the roles of these other ministries in the church, right? Because in verse 6, it said they, they had uh, them stand before the apostles who prayed and laying their hands on them, right? They didn't treat this ministry like a lesser role. They didn't just say, okay, hey, let's go find some guys. Okay, these guys are good, great, awesome, cool. Okay, guys, take care of it. We're out. We got to go preach. They actually slowed down. They took the time. The apostles themselves laid their hands on uh, these seven men and they prayed for them, right? What are they doing? They're giving them authority. They're giving them blessing and they're releasing them into the ministry. So they didn't treat this ministry like, like a lesser role than their own because they're praying over them really the way that they would have prayed over another apostle. That's the behavior we see, right? And so as a result of all of these things, right, as a result of the fact that when a complaint was made, that complaint was given the proper attention and by recognizing their limits and by recognizing that there were multiple important ministries in the church, they solved this problem without creating another one. As a result of all of this, Luke wraps it up in verse 7 by pointing out that as a result of this, the church continued to grow and flourish. And even now, priests from the temple were coming and they were joining uh, the church, right? And so this is a really powerful testimony. And so Luke is directly connecting the growth and the health and the, and the vitality of the church to the way that they addressed the needs of these widows, the way that they addressed these needs in ministry, and the way that they solved this problem, right? It's pretty pretty incredible. So now what we're going to do is, um, I'd just like to take a moment now and we're going to try to apply in our own lives. What are some of the big ideas and what are some of the next steps that we can take with some of the principles that we're learning from these big ideas? So uh, the questions I would invite you to kind of ask yourself right now are, what are the big ideas that you see in this passage? And then what, uh, how can you apply these ideas in your own life, like what might be your next steps with these big ideas. Okay, so as you're thinking uh, about those questions, uh, let me just give you my answers um, to those same questions as I was thinking through this myself. So the first thing that I wrote down here was that we have to discipline ourselves to slow down and hear the issues that other people raise. I think that's one of the big ideas that we see here because it's very often to dismiss other people's complaints um, especially if we feel like people complain a lot, which let's be honest, people do complain a lot, but that, that doesn't excuse us from listening to complaints, right? We do have to slow down and at least give the time that's necessary to hear what people are saying. I think that's one of the first big ideas that we see here. Uh, I also have written down here that there are multiple ministries that God has called people to, and all of them deserve attention respect, right? A calling to be a missionary or to be a pastor or to be an elder in a church um, doesn't deserve any more or less respect than somebody who's called to do hospitality ministry or take care of a church building or go feed the hungry or, you know, whatever it may be, right? So, you know, and we actually see this really in other passages. You know, Paul talks about uh, you know, the gods arrange the body in such way that those parts that would naturally get less honor are elevated so that they have equal honor with the parts that, you know, already have all the honor that they need, right? So there's this equalization of honor within the church. And that's, I think, one of the big ideas that we see here as well, right? That one ministry isn't treated with more honor and more dignity and more importance than another. But we recognize that all the ministries that God's given the church are important. 
and uh, we need to we need to properly uh, care for those ministries and place the right people in those ministries to do them well, right? And the third idea that I have written down here is that no one is gifted. Uh, I'm sorry, no one is so gifted that they can do it all, right? Even the apostles, even the 12 apostles are sitting there going, guys, we can't do it all. We can't possibly continue to do what God's giving us to do and take care of this need. But we do recognize that it's important, but we can't be the ones to do it. We can't do it all. Even the most gifted people cannot do it all. Limits are an important part of God's design that we must receive and operate inside of. And there's a whole other lesson, really, when we talk about limits and the way that God works through limits. But for now, we need to recognize, very simply, that God has made us in such a way that we have limits. He does not want us to do it all. He hasn't designed us to be able to do it all. And so one of, the, one of the most important parts about being a healthy, productive person is to recognize that you have limits, you can't do it all, and therefore you will need to work together with other people to get everything done. That is how you solve a problem without creating another one, right? And then just what I have written here for just personal steps in my own life uh, is I need to slow down. Uh, therefore, taking these big ideas, um, I need to slow down and pay attention to the complaints from others, especially if I feel inclined to dismiss them. And you know, that doesn't mean that every complaint I'm going to hear is a valid complaint, but how will I ever discover valid complaints if I'm not listening to any of them or at least a lot of them, right? So uh, that is something that I will continue to work on. Uh, in my own life. And another thing I have written down here as, a, as kind of a takeaway for myself is that I need to respect my personal limits and not allow myself to do everything that I can do. Like just because I can, maybe I could, you know, do five or six jobs doesn't mean I should be taking on all five or six of those jobs. Maybe it's not healthy and I'm actually robbing other people of ministry opportunities themselves, right? So I need to, whether I can do it all or not isn't even relevant. I have to respect my personal limits um, and not allow myself to try and do it all, right? That's another takeaway that I have uh, for me. Hopefully those are helpful for you as well. Let me leave you with uh, two things. Uh, one is just something I would invite you to pray about today. And, the, and, and what I invite you to pray about today is that uh, the Lord would give you, ask the Lord to give you a sensitivity to the needs of his people and also the wisdom to address those needs with honor, right, for, for, for others. Uh, so let's, let's just agree to pray uh, that today. And then a devotional question I have for you this week, just for you to sit and kind of ponder on, take this question to the Lord, to the Lord let him help you process through and answer this question. And the question is, how might you be neglecting the needs of others? And how might you be furthering that problem by taking on too much. So how might you be neglecting the needs of others? And how might you be furthering that problem by taking on too much? Okay, sit with that question. Don't try to answer it too quickly. Okay, let God speak to you with that question this week. Um, yeah, so I hope this time has been a blessing for you. And I hope that you'll continue with us as we study through the book of Acts. All right, bye-bye. We are so glad you have joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. 
Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church/house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.